Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and this week, our Hernando County reporter Jack Evans joins us for a conversation about disproportionate disciplinary actions in the Hernando County schools. And by that, we're talking about black kids getting disciplined way more than white kids in relationship to the numbers. The Hernando County School District noticed the trend, and even though it seems to be to a lot of people a... Deep South kind of school district that might not care. They're really taking actions to try and turn this around. Well, Jack Evans, uh, welcome to the Gradebook Podcast. Well, thanks for having me on, Jeff. I'm uh, psyched to be on the podcast. You are one of our new education reporters up in Hernando County, and you have come across an interesting story regarding the way that children are disciplined in school. Up, in, up there in Hernando County, I guess they found out that black children were being punished disproportionately, but that's not very unusual. What they did afterwards might be the unusual part. What did you find? Yeah, I I agree with you that I think that's kind of the story here. Unfortunately, that disparity is a problem, not just in Hernando County, but across the state. Uh, But what they're doing here is sort of making an, an effort on a district level to go into schools and figure out how to solve that problem, how to close that gap. Uh, And they're doing that with things like focus groups with uh, teachers, but also with black students and those students' parents. Um, And and they're finding that kind of what's lacking here and what might be causing at least some of that gap is really just a a lack of communication between teachers and children, teachers and parents sometimes, a lack of being on the same page, and and sometimes there's sort of cultural disconnect. Uh, Sometimes it's just a matter of uh, needing to listen a little bit more and to uh, have a conversation first before sending a kid to the principal's office, that kind of thing. So that's what they're finding. Um, and, and they're doing more interesting stuff too, like, like implementing, uh, you know, different programs, uh, doing things like making more efforts to call home with good news more often so that parents uh, get more of a sense that the school is invested in what their children are doing well rather than just uh, what they're what they're doing not well. Um, so things like that. And uh, it's it's interesting in the language they use to talk about it, using terms like um, uh, restorative justice. Uh, it's a very progressive thing that, you know, as someone who's fairly new to Hernando County, which is very much a, a deep red, uh, very much a Southern County in a lot of ways, uh, I was surprised about sort of how progressive this effort is uh, and how little pushback they've gotten to it. Let's start off with that. That last comment that you made about it being a deep red, we'll call it a Bible Belt Southern kind of place. And it wasn't that long ago that Hernando County was one of those segregated places. The black community felt very disconnected from the rest of the community. What happened? I guess 2016 is when they finally realized that there was a problem. Yeah, around 2016, and, um, you know, this was a thing where I guess the realization is not necessarily that there was a problem, but that they more clearly were able to identify the problem and decide to do something about it. And really the person spearheading this project 
is Judy Everett, who is uh, I, I have the story in front of me. I don't want to get her title wrong. She's a supervisor of exceptional support, exceptional student support services uh, in the Hernando County School District. Uh, and she's been with the school district for, uh, I think, 25 years or at least near that now. She's been an educator in Hernando County uh, for, I, I believe, close to four decades, if not more than that. Um, and she was looking at some numbers uh, in a... Uh, local education area report. I believe that's the that's the term. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Local education agency profile. Sorry. Uh, and you know, she noticed that among students with disabilities, which is the students that she's working with, that there was a, a disciplinary disparity with black children uh, receiving disciplinary action far more often than white children. Um, and she felt that something ought to be done about that. She took it to uh, some consultants from the University of South Florida, uh, with whom she's worked for several years under the, uh, the Positive Behavioral Interventions and Support Program, the PBIS program. Uh, and, and through working with them in conversations for them, they decided to look at this problem on a district-wide scale with all students, not just students with disabilities, found that that problem maintained on that scale, uh, and tried to start figuring out some ways to attack that. Now, you mentioned that, you know, parents and teachers, students and teachers didn't necessarily come from the same wavelength. Was that because they had not very many black teachers? And was that part of the issue? Because I noticed that one of the people who you spoke to was one of the leading um, black community figures and their family, um, Cynthia Brown Jackson, who's the lead social worker from Hernando County. But I don't know. Is is that a major issue that um, they don't necessarily have as many black teachers working with black families? That is an issue. And, and that's something that I, I can't remember. I don't believe that winds up being mentioned in the story, but it's one of the many things uh, that me and Cynthia Brown Jackson spoke about in our, our interviews um, that, you know, she felt was something that should be brought up. And that is true that the, the percentage of black teachers in the district is uh, significantly lower than the, the percentage of black students in the district. I don't have those numbers in front of me right now, uh, but I do know that it's uh, there's a pretty significant gap there between the proportion of black teachers and the proportion of black students. And so then did it just become incumbent upon them to try and make f- teachers understand, regardless of their race and their background, what their students' race and background is about so that they could more easily interact with them and understand some of the situations that they might be facing, that maybe not everything needs to be disciplined the same way. Yeah. And, uh, you you know, part of this going along with that, what they've really run up against and, and what, you know, Judy Everett and Cynthia Brown Jackson tell me is kind of the thing that they're working in here is really implicit bias in a lot of ways. Um, And, you know, bias that is undetected by the teachers who might have it. Uh, you know, they noted that quite a quite a few of the teachers, when they first saw this data, were surprised that black children were being disciplined at such a higher rate than white children. Um, and just really trying to open up new kinds of dialogue, uh, you know, among educators and between teachers and parents, uh, teachers and community members and teachers and their students. Uh, and one thing that I think has been interesting when I spoke with the principal of Hernando High School, uh, I learned that at the beginning of this school year, 
teachers and students, you know, in their classes would have a, a conversation about what their expectations for the classroom were, how they defined respect and disrespect, as sort of laying the, the groundwork for class rules um, and getting people on a, a page that was a little bit more clear, um, you know, putting everyone on the same page. And I thought that was really interesting. Was Hernando County one of the three school, I mean, sorry, Hernando High School, one of the three schools that was in this pilot program to see if all of these ideas might work? Yeah, yeah. There there was a sort of a pilot group of three schools, and that was Eastside Elementary, uh, West Hernando Middle, and Hernando High School. Uh, and those, um, you know, they did focus groups in those schools last fall. They started implementing some what they call interventions in the spring. Uh, that you know, those things like opening those dialogues between teachers and students about respect and rules, uh, things like uh, at the elementary school, you know, calling home more often with, with good news about what students have done, those kinds of things. Um, and then this year is, is their first full year of trying some of those techniques. Uh, and meanwhile, there has been another uh, cohort, as they call it, of three schools uh, that they've started sort of restarting that process and, um, you know, putting together leadership groups, uh, you know, starting to look at focus groups and do that whole process. And, and that, gr- that group of schools is Brooksville Elementary, Parrot Middle, and Central High. These are the schools that have some of the higher populations of minority students in them compared to some of the ones in other campuses, right? Yeah, I believe so. And I know with that first cohort, uh, it was a conscious effort on the part of the folks at the district level and also at the schools to find schools where, you know, the the disciplinary issue, the gap was representative of the county-wide problem, where there was a substantial gap between how white students and black students were being disciplined, um, but also where there was an, an infrastructure and a base of administrators and teachers who wanted to put in the work to try and solve that problem. So now the question absolutely has to become, did the numbers go down? From what we know, they seem to be going down. Uh, as Judy Everett has told me, you know, this is still relatively early in the process and uh, is something that we'll have to look at over time to see if it really succeeds. Uh, but she also told me that at Hernando High School, for example, uh, that rate has almost dropped to a, a one-to-one disciplinary rate, uh, which is, seems to be a sign of success. Uh, and just anecdotally, you know, between her and Cynthia Brown Jackson and the principal at Hernando High, all these folks I've talked to, uh, it seems, if nothing else, like morale is also up among students, uh, that they feel more comfortable talking with teachers, uh, that the the environment has become more positive and more open. So it seems, again, this is early to say because these are new interventions and processes that have only been put in place in the past 10 months or so, uh, but it seems like they've been effective so far. Now, you mentioned a one-to-one rate. So that doesn't mean that disciplinary actions have been eliminated off the board. It means that there are just more proportionate, right? Exactly. And an important thing to note here is that no one is really advocating getting rid of the disciplinary process. Uh, you know, when I spoke to Judy Everett about this, she said, we don't want to sweep this under the rug, you know, just getting rid of discipline entirely for the sake of cutting down the statistics 
would not really solve anything. They'd probably create even more problems. Uh, what they're trying to do is, you know, suspension still exists, expulsion still exists, office referrals still exist, all those things still exist. What they're trying to do is get it to a point where white students and black students are, you know, receiving those disciplines at an equitable rate, um, at a rate that, that is equal and makes sense. Um, and that's that's what it seems like we're starting to see. Did they say anything about the common refrain that we hear that the reason that certain kids get disciplined more is because they're just behaving badly and it has nothing to do with their race. It just has something to do with the fact that they do the wrong things at the wrong time. And so somebody might get disciplined 10 times as one person. And and that's just the way life is sometimes. Yeah, this was not something that we talked about a ton explicitly, but I think it's you know important to note that all of this work that they're doing and, and the story that I wrote as well is based on a, a broader look at statistics. You know, we're not looking at two kids who sit next to each other and one has gotten, you know, five in school suspensions all year and one's gotten one or zero. Uh, we're looking at a, a structural problem, a systemic problem, um, where frankly, the only way to say, well, some kids are just more badly behaved than others and to square that with these statistics would, you know, to do that, you would have to say black kids are just more badly behaved than white kids, uh, at which point you're making an obviously racist statement that, uh, that, that just doesn't really make any sense. So they're saying that maybe if you understand and deal with the students where they come from, that you might find out that, you know, there's other things at play that need to be considered so that you have a more even-handed and fair disciplinary process. Exactly. And, and you know, this is something when I talked to Judy Everett, she was, uh, she said she was kind of surprised by how much of this came down to simply the aspect of relationships. You know, like I said, those relationships between teachers and students, between uh, teachers and administrators and parents. Uh, and just the fact that a lot of black parents and black kids felt like they didn't have those relationships with teachers and with the schools. Um, and now that they've started trying to build those, that, that gap seems to be closing. So as this project moves forward, where do you see the district headed and how do you plan to continue covering it? I imagine you'd want to talk to parents, talk to kids, see if they're as enthusiastic as the district seems to be. It's definitely something I'm keeping tabs on, especially as they move forward with this new group of schools. Uh, and I'm very interested to see how things, if things are different in these, you know, this new group of schools, if they find uh, that there are different root causes that are, that are creating this disparity in these particular schools, or if it's the same thing, if it's largely that sort of relationship disconnect uh, and seeing how, you know, what, kinds of things these schools implement to try and combat that too. Um, and also worth noting is that, and I believe this is in, in the story, Judy Everett is nearing retirement too. She's, she's planning on retiring in 2020 uh, and seeing, so it's going to be interesting, I think, to see who takes over this project then and how that moves forward, uh, given that this is kind of her brainchild. So it's definitely something I'm keeping tabs on, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see how it moves forward. Especially in a place like Hernando County, which we mentioned right at the beginning, is not exactly the place that you would ordinarily think would be progressive on an issue like this, but they've identified and are trying to tackle a big problem that's national. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the way they phrase it, you know, I'm like I said, I'm somewhat surprised they haven't run into any pushback just by the fact that they're using terms that I've only typically heard in, in very progressive circles. Uh, but also the way they explain it, you know, the way that if you talk to, to Judy Everett or Cynthia Brown Jackson, they explain it is this is really just about helping kids get unequal education that, you know, that all kids deserve the same access to a good education. And I think that is pretty hard to argue with no matter uh, where you stand on, on policy. Well, Jack, this has been a good conversation. I'm glad that you're out there covering these important issues for us. I'm hoping that you'll come back with this issue again and, and others when we go forward. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I'm, I'm looking forward to being back in the future. That's the end of our conversation. If you'd like to participate in it, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Graybook. If you want to continue to follow the latest in education breaking news in Florida, go to our blog, www.tampabay.com slash blogs slash gradebook. Please continue to review and share our podcast with others. You can subscribe to it on iTunes and Google Play. You know, send us some ideas if you think that we're missing some good ones, or if you think of somebody who'd like to hear from, send them to my email address, jsolacek at tampabay.com. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.